if you are here for the first time, second time, if you are a guest and friend, I want to welcome you. And you are always welcome. This is the best place you can spend your time on today, Sunday morning. Amen. You know, we heard so much about this 40-day fast. And of course, if you are new here, you may not know what's happening. Just want to give, you know, something to conclude, you know, uh, what you have done, what Teach Tabernacle of Joy has done over the past 40 days. We did a fast to prepare ourselves, to consecrate ourselves. And like what Brother Chris said, there were many testimonies. There were many good reports. And I just want to make mention of them because it's important to recognize the God behind these reports. There are so many stories of healing. Sister Siulan, Sister Su, Jia Sing's father, Joseph Lim's brother, Brother Peter Nyo, priest's uncle, Shavian, Josh Ng's mom, Sister Katani's neighbor, Jaya, my sister, Pauline, Sister Kathy's mom, Charlotte, Haley, the Locke family, Brother Sam, Bren, and just yesterday, another testimony of God healing little Maddie that Alvin just told me. But God is not only the God who heals us, He is also the God that delivers us and provides for us. You know, there are Bible studies that increased. You know, a lot of people I know sign up for them. For example, Tian Cheng, your sister. He also provides jobs. You know, there was this um, testimony by Sister Kathy about God providing her a job and increasing Navin's pay. That is amazing. And I just want to take this chance. Can we praise God for all this? In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you once again and we acknowledge you, Lord God. And Lord, I know even as I say all this, there are many more testimonies, Lord, that I've not mentioned that you are aware of, Lord. And if you are a recipient of these testimonies, can I encourage you to just praise and lift God up and recognize that He is the one that gave you that testimony. Lord, we praise you, Lord, and we worship you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for all these answered prayers and breakthroughs and healing. But one thing I want to I want to say also is my understanding that you know when we do that, it's not like we do something expecting God to move. It's not like when we fast, God gets more powerful and stronger, and He says, "Okay, because you fast, I'm giving it to you." I believe it's because we are more sensitive to the moving of His Spirit. We are more sensitive to what He's doing in our lives when we consecrate and dedicate ourselves. And that's why we recognize Him. Amen. So I encourage all of you to continue with this sensitivity and this momentum. Amen. Okay. Uh, before I begin, maybe you all can sit down, you know, and just let me, you know, get a drink of water first. And as you go, as you sit, maybe you want to greet your neighbors. So good to see everyone here. Maybe just a quick recap from last week. Last week, Pastor talked about spiritual authority. It is about the empowerment by God to carry out His will. And it's important because without spiritual authority, the church will be ineffective. We cannot do what God has called us to do. In Luke 10, 19, Jesus gave authority to His disciples to trample on serpents and scorpions and the power over the enemy. And that's why we, we sang just now that the enemy has defeated because of Jesus' authority. 
So how do we get spiritual authority? It is not something that we earn. We cannot do anything more to earn the authority that God has given to us. And we gain it in a relationship with Him by the feeling of His Spirit. But the problem that pastors shared last week, one of the primary reasons why we don't exercise that spiritual authority is because we don't know we have spiritual authority because we of a lack of understanding. So today, what I'm here to share with everyone is how to access that spiritual authority. And when we sing about the power of the name of Jesus, what exactly does it mean? You want to find out? Okay, so if you want to find out, come on, let's, why don't we pray one last time and let God just take... Take ownership of this whole service. Jesus, we just want to thank you, Lord God, Lord, for bringing us together this morning. Your word says, when we are gathered in your name, you are in our midst. And so, Lord, this morning, we recognize and acknowledge your presence with us, Lord God. We know, Lord, that you are in this room, Lord God, with us. So, Father, we praise you, we exalt, and we magnify you, Lord God, in this place, oh Lord God. At the same time, Lord, we also want to pray for Pastor and Sister Hoya, who's not here this morning, Lord, we pray that your anointing will rest upon them, Lord, as they lead service, Lord God, in, in Philippines, as they teach PI, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that there will be a spirit of ministry, Lord God, over where they are right now as well, Lord God. We lose, oh Lord God, where they are and understanding of your word, just, Lord God, as you lose, Lord God, understanding today, Lord God, this morning, Lord God. Father, we ask for revelation and we ask for understanding. We ask, oh Lord God, that you will speak your word, Lord God, to everyone that's here in Jesus' name. Okay, since we talk about the name of Jesus, let's first start off talking about names. What's in a name? Okay, so in many cultures, names have meanings tied or associated to them, to the person's identity, their character, or the parents' aspirations and goals for them. Okay, same for us, right? In Singapore, I'm sure if you think about your name, you know, you, you, you more likely than not recognize there's a meaning behind them, behind your name. Your parents would have thought really hard. And if you are a parent, you know, you would have also thought really hard about what to name your children. More than just be a nice sounding name. You want something that's meaningful. You want something that actually the person can identify some good virtues about it. So give me, let, let me give you an example for my kids, okay? Uh, when we name our daughter, you know, Charity, Charity means love. But we also gave her the name Ariel. Okay? Ariel means Lion of God. So when we gave her that name, we recognized that, hey, we want this little lioness more than just to be a roaring lion, but we want her to be a loving one as well. Okay? That's our daughter. When we lost our second child, we gave him the name Matthias, meaning a gift from God because we wanted to acknowledge that even though he wasn't with us, it was still a gift that God has given us. And even though it was a short while, we want to acknowledge God uh, hence in our life. And when our last baby came along, you know, some of you all may know him, we named him Isaac. Isaac means what? Laughter. And we call him Isaac because after many years, after years of grieving, you know, we recognize that it was God who brought back this laughter back into the family. And indeed, Isaac also has lived up to his name. You know, you can ask my family, he, he, this little guy has brought a lot of laughter and joy to the family and he's really, really a very cute little guy. So, 
We recognize how God has blessed us by naming our children and also by giving them names that, well, signifies our goals and aspirations for them. Names can also reflect one's reputation. In the book of Proverbs 22.1, it says here, a good name is more desirable than great riches. Amen. And let me explain to the Hebrews. Okay? A name was not a la- just a label to tell one person apart from another. A name was viewed as the equivalent of the person himself. See, a person's name defines that individual's worth, their character, their will, and their authority. One very clear example is the life of Abraham. Abraham was originally called Abram. He was not called Abraham, but he met God and it was described in Genesis 17 that he met and established a covenant with God. And at this point, God also changed Abraham's name to Abraham. He changed his name from High Father to a Father of Multitude. And we read in Genesis 17.5, and here we see how God changed his name and the meaning behind it. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Now this change in the name is very significant. It signifies the promise that God has given to Abraham that he will be a father of many nations even before it happened. And this change will also reflect a change in his identity, in who he is that's in line with God's plan. It became a proclamation of his destiny and what is going to happen, which is the fulfillment of God's promise. So far, you're following? Okay. If Help me, ah, y'all can say amen. Okay, y'all can say uh, praise the Lord. Okay, so I know that you are following. Okay, thank you. With this understanding, okay, since everyone, a lot of people say amen, let's look at the most important name of all. You want to guess what's the most important name in the Bible? Exactly, that's right. So the name Jesus itself means Yahweh is salvation or Yahweh saves. But actually, if you look at the name in the Old Testament, it's a really rather common, popular first century name uh, where Jesus lived. It's similar to today's Joshua or Joseph, right? Today we have Joshua Ng, Joshua Navin, or we have Joseph Chan, Joseph Lim. And it's pretty common. Jesus was like that at that point of time. And if you just look at the name itself, there's really nothing inherently special about the name unless we identify with the person behind the name, unless we know the identity of the one who bears that name, okay? So likewise, um, despite its commonness, the name Jesus is really significant because of the person that bears his name. So let's break down the significance into three parts. Firstly, Salvation. Then I'm going to talk about the authority and power of His name. And then healing and deliverance that comes with the name of Jesus. First, we talk about salvation. Isaiah 
prophesied the birth of Jesus and His divine attributes. Let's read in Isaiah 9.6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon His shoulder, and His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Here we see Jesus is explicitly mentioned, referred to as Mighty God, confirming His deity. However, Jesus is not only a mighty God, not only mighty God. His name is directly tied to His role as our Saviour. Matthew 21, sorry, 121 says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So this scripture tells us that Jesus is not just a human born of a woman, but he is the saviour that was promised. Acts 4.12, I want to read it again. It says says, For nor there is salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Can we say no other name? No other name. I like the emphasis in the NLT version. It says here, there is salvation in no one else! Exclamation mark. Ah, it's amazing how they put it as a point like that. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And that is why today we baptise in the name of Jesus and not in the role of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. This was how it was done in the Bible. Baptism in Jesus' name is the only way that we baptise in the Bible and here. So, let me give you an example. The baptism of John's disciples in the book of Acts. Acts 19, 4-5. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. There are many other examples, but this is just one of them. Baptism in Jesus' name is the only way to baptise. And that is how we are saved. Secondly, I'm going to talk about His authority and His power. We sang about it, we declared it this morning, but what exactly is it? Let me break it down. When we see that Jesus is God, it's also easy to recognise His authority and His power. Philippians 2.10 says that, At the name of Jesus, whose knee shall bow? Every knee shall bow. Okay? This means no one is excluded. Every knee shall bow name. at the name of Jesus. But sometimes in, in heaven, life, right? and on earth, um, and under the and earth, and every time also declare to that Jesus in life when we is Lord. We tend to use the so name this scripture tells us about His authority prayer, right? over say, and above no, everyone. Yeah. And that's why we can sing just now and we treat the name of Jesus like a, a stem, a postage stem. That we write on the letter what we want. We write on the letter, I want this, I want this, I want Healing and deliverance in the name of Jesus. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus' name is also associated with healing and with deliverance. In the book of Acts, Peter heals a lame man in Jesus' name. And let's turn to Acts 3-6. to Then Peter said, 
Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And that was how it was done in the book of Acts. And now, you know, I'm not just going to talk. You're not just going to hear me talk. We're going to pray. We're going to pray because there is power in the name of Jesus because the Scripture has backed us and Scripture tells us that there is healing in His name. So why don't we just put a pin down here and I want to ask, is there anyone here who's not feeling well or if you know anyone that's not feeling well, I know Paul, uh, Kewel's son, is not feeling well. Is there anyone here and we're going to pray for you? You know, anyone here? You're all, no sickness, ah. You're amazing. Okay, why don't we pray for those who are not feeling well, okay? If you are feeling well, praise God. I, I'm so happy that, you know, you're, 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 you're so healthy. But I'm pretty sure that we know people who are not feeling well. And I'm going to take my chance here and we're going to pray for them. And then after that, you can ask them, how are you feeling? Okay, why don't we pray? If you know anyone, I'm not going to lay hands on you, don't worry. It's God who's going to do that in you. Okay, not me, not, not Brian. Okay, why don't we pray? Jesus, Lord, your word tells us that you are a healer. Your word tells us, Lord God, that you can touch our lives, Lord God. And your word says that by your stripes, we are healed, Lord God. So Lord, we want to take this chance right now to lift up those who are sick. If you know someone who's sick, why don't you just tell God, Jesus... Well, we pray, Lord God, and we lose healing in the name of Jesus. We lose strength, Lord. We come against the spirit of infirmity, not by our name, but by the name of Jesus, Lord. Father, Lord God, we declare healing over them, Lord God. We declare healing, Lord God, over our family members, not only physical healing, Lord God, but mental healing, Lord God, and mental wholeness as well, Lord God, and emotional health, Lord God. Lord, you are our healer, Lord God, and Lord, we believe, Lord God, as you have said in your word, Lord God, and we trust in you, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, every sickness, Lord God, in the name of Jesus to leave, Lord. Jesus' name. So having said all this, that's just to set the context of what we're going to go through really in depth. Okay, so after talking about, you know, the power, the majesty, the salvation and deliverance in Jesus' name, I also want to Share with everyone that the name of Jesus is so critical that there are warnings in the Bible not to misuse His name and to approach His name with the right attitude and the mindset. Exodus 27 states, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. This is a warning against using God's name in any way that is disrespectful or insincere. And I know now it's common in popular culture to use that name as a curse word or as a mark of exclamation or to just to re-emphasize a point that you're trying to make. Well, the Bible explicitly warns against that, not to take the name of God in vain or to use it in a way that is insincere or irrelevant or irreverent or to make light of the name of Jesus. And that's why we hold the name so important. So, having said that, maybe you're also wondering, has there any, been any examples of people using the name of Jesus wrongly in the Bible? And if you are wondering, it is the sons of Sceva. Let me introduce to you the seven sons of Sceva. 
who has a lot of things to teach us. You know, I love character study. I love to go down and read about what people did so I can learn from them. And let's, so today we're going to look at this, this group of people called the Sons of Shiva. Okay, in Acts 19, it tells us, let me introduce to you. In the book of Acts, it was recorded that in this place called Ephesus, God was performing really awesome, really cool, extraordinary miracles through his disciples. For example, through Paul. Now, Jesus has given his disciples authority over the demonic world, over de the demons, you know, before that. And so, a lot of these miracles that was being carried out was in that line as well. Not only was there healing, but there was also a lot of deliverance from demonic spirits and involved the casting out of demons. But as a, that, you know, with, as with every trend, there will always be something, a copy, a copycat, a pirated version, right? Not if you have something that's really cool right now that you can count on a pirated version coming up from another country, right? So the same way, things have not changed. Over in the book of Acts, a cool and fancy thing has also will always, there'll be a copycat. They say here, imitation is the best form of flattery. So, Let's look at these religious frauds who pretended also to have some kind of powerful, mystical uh, uh, powers that, that they, they tried to copy the disciples. Okay? And this group of frauds were uh, these seven brothers whose father, called Skiva, was actually a Jewish high priest. Now let me break it down. A Jewish high priest right, is not just any other priest. It's not your regular priest. He's actually the leading authority you know, in that synagogue or in that time. So he's pretty much, you know, a, a, a very reputable person. And he had seven sons who went around as well, similar to the disciples of Jesus. He went around, they, they, they ran around and they performed different types of miracles, okay? But what they like to do is to perform exorcism, casting out of evil spirits. And so they see Paul's success in doing this. And they thought, wow, this is really amazing, you know, and they put on their entrepreneurial hat, you know, their copycat hat and says, hmm, why don't we do something similar and we can also get that amount of success, right? Why not? So what they do is they started using a new formula to cast out demons. What exactly they did was they will go out to someone, okay, I'm not going to go to anyone, in case you all think that I... Think the person has, has any demonic spirits. So anyway, they'll go out to someone and then they'll lay hands on this, on this person and they'll say, in the name of Jesus Christ whom Paul preaches, get out of this person. Okay, so this was a, something like a formula to them. This was their magic word to them. This was something that they used because they copied Paul who also used the same formula when he tried to uh, do his exorcism. Do you think this worked? This backfired totally. This backfired in ways that this group of brothers could not even imagine. And we're going to see, how does this backfire? In Acts 19.15, okay, and this is not in my notes, but maybe uh, you can flash that. Uh, Acts 19.15, a demon they were trying to cast out refused he actually told them. He responded to the seven sons of Sceva and he, he said, 
Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? Listen, Tolo. This is Similang. They actually responded to the seven sons, seven sons of Sceva and they said, I know all this that you quote about, but who exactly are you? You know? What right do you have to tell me what to do? Then, not only did, he, did, he, did the demon and the demon-possessed man, you know, refuse, he started to attack them. He started to beat them up. The, it was described in the Bible that this man, this demon-possessed man, jumped upon the seven sons. One man jumped upon seven people. So you can imagine how crazy it was, right? One man jumping. It was like, you know, you got Mike Tyson in him and he started whacking these seven guys. And it was so bad, right? He didn't just whack them there. He whacked them until they were naked. Until their clothes, I don't know, clothes go wet. What are they doing with their clothes? But they were battered and bruised and they were whacked. They were whacked so bad that they ran away from one man. I don't know what what exactly happened, but the results of this attack, this vicious attack by this demon-possessed man was actually far-ranging. It was even beyond what the seven sons thought it could happen. And it was actually quite amazing. In Acts 19.17, it goes on to describe the aftermath of this attack by a demon-possessed man. And here it goes. He says here, what happened after the attack? A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Uh, wow, isn't that amazing? That the evil intentions of one group of people can actually result in the name of Jesus being honored and lifted up. That people actually start to notice that you cannot mess around with the name of Jesus, that it exactly has power. You don't anyhow say the name of Jesus. Uh, you say the wrong thing. Uh, I don't know what will happen to you. But if you say the right thing, there is power. And then after that, it goes on to say, not only that, verse 18, many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. So not only the name was lifted up and honoured and people start revering the name, and not to take it lightly, but people started to repent. There was great repentance among the people who obviously weren't doing the correct thing. They were practicing sorcery uh, and whatever sinful practices that they did. In verse 19, a number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. To me, that was so amazing. That was powerful. And just to add on, to emphasize for added measure, right? Amazingly, the scripture even put how much the prices of the books were. Hey, I kid you not, when I saw it, my eyes opened up. Huh? The value of the books was several million dollars. I don't know, I never even see it before in my life until I started to study this. Several million dollars in the context of first century. First century. Israel, first century Judea, Ephesus, several million dollars. If you extrapolate, you know, I'm not, not, I'm not a financial analyst, you know, like Brother Chris. I don't know much about numbers, but you can imagine first century. Now we are in 2023. The rate of inflation and, and how much it will cost now, the sort of value that the people was moved to exchange because they realised the power and the name of Jesus. Several million dollars is more than maybe what all of us combined have. 
I don't know. But that was how much they were moved to disregard and to lay aside every sinful practices, their books, their incantation, and, and put a value dollar, a value to it. This was amazing. But most importantly was that the name of the Lord Jesus was instantly set in its right place. That people started to recognise that you don't anyhow take the name for granted, but there is actually, there is power in that name. So here are some points also to understand from this, uh, this story from the sons of Sceva. Number one, demons recognise the authority of Jesus. This was what they responded to the seven sons. They said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I also know. But who are you? So this tells us that demons, devils, whatever, demonic spirits, they recognise the power and the authority in the name of Jesus. Now it's important to note that the authority over demons only belongs to Jesus and those whom Jesus authorised or gave it to. Now, why only Jesus? Why not someone else? Why not, you know, another person? Because firstly, and most importantly, Jesus is God. He is the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. In Matthew 1.23, in the New Testament, there was a prophecy that fulfills in Jesus. He says here in Matthew 1.23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated God with us. This verse tells not only of the miraculous birth, but also, once again, his divine nature, literally as God in the flesh, as God dwelling with us. Besides the New Testament, he's also the God that we see from the Old Testament. In John 5.8, Jesus declares this, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was... Uh, Abraham, let me take one step back. Abraham lived in the Old Testament. Just now I said in Genesis. Now Jesus is many, many, many years later. In John, he declares this, Before Abraham was... I am. Now, this statement is very important because when he said, I am, there was actually a lot of meaning behind the two words, I am. This statement points back to many years ago, back in, you know, ancient times, back in the Old Testament, in Exodus 3.14, where God in the Old Testament, in the times of Exodus, reveals himself to Moses as I am. So when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, what Jesus was saying is that, that is me. What you know, what, who Moses met was actually me. Okay? He used the same reference to confirm that he is the God that Moses and Abraham met in the Old Testament. So John 8, 5 to 8, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. See, God also said that to Moses. And I want to read this so that there's more understanding. Exodus 3.14. This was where God met Moses and, says, and said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you. 
So in a nutshell, Jesus is the God of the Old Testament and God of the New Testament. And there is only and has been only Jesus. Okay? And in a nutshell, the, G- the demons recognize that also. You know, Scripture says that they know that there's one God and they tremble. So they recognize because Jesus is God. So back to the sons of Sceva. The demons said that he knew Jesus and Paul, but he did not recognize any other authority outside of Jesus and Jesus' delegated authority, which was Paul. So yes, while the sons of Sceva tried to do, tried to do what, at their exorcism using the correct name, the right name, they were actually not authorized. They were not believers. They didn't follow Jesus. They didn't obey His commandments. And that's why they didn't represent Jesus. And so, when the demons met them, they don't recognize who they were and the authority they had, which was none. Because in reality, when the seven sons of Sceva tried to uh, do their casting, their exorcism, they were actually doing it in their own authority. And the problem was they have no authority. It's like, you know, sometimes when you collect something for somebody, you know, the, you know maybe you collect a gift, your, you, you got credit card and then you get a gift and you can't collect it and you want to authorize somebody to collect it for you. Now, what if the person collect it on you, collect for you without your authorization? Would the person get it? No, right? So the same way, this was what was happening. The sons of Sceva was using the name of God, trying to do something without the proper authorization. Okay? And they didn't have that authority. Which also brings us to the next point. Point number two. That Jesus' name is not a magic formula. Okay? It's not a magical phrase like abracadabra, alakazam, or whatever magical phrase that you, know, you can think about. You know, his name is not like a please and thank you where you teach our kids, you know, what's the magic word? Please, what's the magic word? Thank you. There's actually no magic in just using the words Jesus or the This, I want this, I want this, I want this. And then to make sure the letter gets sent and delivered properly, you put a postage. And make sure the postage uh, is the correct price so that you will, when you will reach the, whoever you want to send it to. And a lot of times we treat Jesus' name like that postage stamp. That we just write down what we want and we say in Jesus' name without recognizing that, hey, what we write, is it in line with the Word of God or not? Is it in line with what His character his purpose, His will? Or is it just something that we want because we feel good about it? You see, when we pray in Jesus' name, it's to pray according to His will. It's to pray according to His character. It's to pray according to His purpose. And to pray according to His authority as His representative. Not just to choke the, you know, and say, signs sent and delivered. When Paul cast out devils in Jesus' name and they obeyed, it was not because of what Paul said. There was nothing inherently powerful in Paul as well, but because of who the Apostle Paul represented. 
and he, he represented Jesus. And that's why when Paul used the name of Jesus, there was power and the demons listened to Paul and the demons had to follow because of the person that Paul represented. So, same way, when we use the name of Jesus, we also need to recognize who is the Jesus that we represent. Who exactly is that name, that, the person that bears that name? What is his purpose? What is his will? So that we can access the power in that name. I give you an, an example. When, you know, sometimes when my son tries to get my daughter to do something, He's at this age where he's very creative, where he can tell my girl, you know, he can tell Chichere that, oh, uh, daddy wants you to do something. But I've never said that at all. And you know, sometimes Chichere, okay, she, okay, actually Chichere is quite smart. She will go and check back with me and ask me, was it really what I said? Was it my purpose? Was it my intention? If not, this little joker, he can do whatever he wants. He, all he needs to do is tell Cheche, Daddy says this, Daddy says that. And Cheche, if she doesn't know better, she'll just follow, right? So the same way, you know, when we pray in the name of Jesus, we need to know, has God indeed said that? Is it in line with His character, in line with His purpose? If we don't know, go back to the Word. If we don't know, we ask somebody. If we don't know, we get to know God better. Amen? So, a better word picture is that instead of a postage stamp, Jesus' name is really more like a key. It's like I give you a key to unlock a door. And to use this key, what do you know? What do you need to know? Firstly, you need to know how the key works, right? You need to know what door does this key open? If I don't tell you how does this key work, whether it's an you know, it's a, it's a access card or it's a physical you know, key, you have no idea how it, how it works. If I don't tell you what door this key opens, you, can, you, can you imagine how many doors are there in this whole wide world? You even know, don't even know what door this key can open. And so if you don't know, this key is as good as being useless. So therefore, to use the key to access the, its power, we need to know the owner's intention. We need to know about the owner behind the key. And when we talk about the name of Jesus, who is the owner? Jesus. To use the key to access His power, to use the, uh, the spiritual authority behind the name of Jesus, we need to know Jesus. We need to know His likes, His dislikes. We need to know His purpose and His will. We need to know Him. And not only that, we need to be able to trust Him. And not only that, He needs to be able to trust us with that key. I will not give you a key to my house if I do not first trust you. That I can trust you with my possessions, that I can trust you to do the right things in my, in my absence. Same way, God will not, must be, there has to be a relationship of trust between us and God when we use the name of Jesus. And so it works both ways. And for those here this morning, or if you are tuning in somewhere else, listening in, if you don't know Jesus, the most fundamental thing this morning I want to share is that we need to trust in His role as our Saviour and our Redeemer. We need to first recognise that He is our Saviour. 1 Peter 1, 8 
18 to 19 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was what? It was actually the precious blood of Jesus, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So we need to first recognize that Jesus is our Savior and it was His blood and it was Him being that Lamb of God. So two key areas I want to highlight from this scripture. Number one, His blood. It's through the blood of Jesus that we are redeemed and our sins are forgiven. Ephesians 1.7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. It emphasizes the redemption power of the blood of Jesus. John 1.7 says and adds on that the blood of Jesus is the one that cleanses us from sin. Not anything else, but His blood that was shed for us. And how did He shed our blood? His blood for us by being that Lamb of God. Now, why Lamb of God? Jesus has, is known by a lot of different roles that He played. One is that the Lamb of God. Now, let me bring you back. In the Old Testament, Okay, people had to deal with their sins according to the Old Testament way, which is to sacrifice lambs. And they, when they sacrifice the lamb, basically the lambs, uh, simply put, you know, the lambs will roll over their sins or take away their sins. You know? So these were uh, sacrificial lambs. Now, we don't use lambs. Do you see lambs being used right now? We don't because Jesus has paid that price, being the ultimate sacrifice, that Lamb of God. And how we did it? He did it by dying on the cross, by taking our sins and the punishment that otherwise we would be having upon Himself. And because of His finished work, he can, that allows us to have eternal life. That allows us to recognize Him as our Saviour. And because of that finished work on the cross, we now have access and the chance to have a relationship with Him. In John 10, 9, Jesus said, declares, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pastures. He said, I am the door. Meaning that He's the only way for us here to be saved. And He's the only way to have access to God. And as a door, what does a door tell you? That he could have used many other word pictures, right? He could use, I don't know, a roof. He could use, you know, a pipe. I don't know, a tap. But he uses a door. Why? Because a door is an entry point. It's the only way of access to a place, to a house. And so, when he says, I am the door, it means that he is the only way to access and by which we get into a relationship with God. See, Jesus is not just a teacher or a guide, not just a moral teacher, but He said He is the way. He is the only way to get access to God and get eternal life. So that's God's part. That's Jesus' part. He has done His part by dying on the cross. He has done His part by showing us and giving us understanding about His role and what He does as the Saviour and the redemption. Now, since God has done His part, what is our part? 
Our part is by repenting, by baptizing in Jesus' name, and by receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Each of you must repent your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now I know as I say all this, there are, couple, there are many of you who have already obeyed. But there are also people in our midst who do not know about the way to get into the God's kingdom. There are many people who do not know. And so when we talk about sharing the Gospels, we have to fundamentally go back to Acts 2.38. This morning, I don't know, out of the blue, somebody came up to say, hey, you know, God has been reminding me about Acts 2.38. Was it Brother Sam or Josh? And I did not tell them anything. But guys, if we are talking about going back to the Word of God, if we are talking about revival, we need to go back to Acts 2.38 because if we don't go back to Acts 2.38, nothing, whatever that we hang our lives upon will be meaningless if we don't first obey and repent in the name of Jesus Christ and be baptised in His name and get the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So for those of y'all who have already obeyed, please say amen so that the rest of us know that what Brian, Brian said is not nothing. Thank you. So I, I don't know, I just feel we need to do that because it's important to recognise where we start off to have that relationship with God. Amen. And if you want to find out more, okay, I encourage you, we have you know, a series of very powerful lessons called Unlocking the Bible where you can go into more details. In the interest of time, I cannot but we have teachers, dedicated teachers who will go through with you word and word and go back to the Word of God to show you what it means to be saved, how to be saved. I don't want, guys, I don't want you to spend your time this Sunday morning not and leave here without recognising that God is reaching out to all of us here. And for those who don't know God or those who have not obeyed Acts 2.38, I encourage you, I implore you, okay? I can stand up here and speak and I really encourage you, look at Acts 2.38. In the name of Jesus. I don't know. I, I just want to feel this, to pause right here and just pray. And I know there are... No, let's just pray first. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, Lord, let us not move, Lord God, from this important part, Lord God. And I know, Lord God, that as I'm praying right now, Lord God, you are speaking your word, Lord God, to somebody, Lord God. Lord, I know, Lord God, as we pray, Lord God, Lord, you are reaching out to someone, Lord God. And I pray for sensitivity, Lord God. I pray for open ears to hear, Lord God, your desire and your cry, Lord God. Lord, we don't want to just spend our time this morning just to feel good about ourselves without responding to your word, oh Lord God. And we do want to come out, Lord God, of the 40 fast, oh Lord God, not recognizing what you're trying to do, Lord God, that your will and your purpose, Lord God, Father, Lord God, is for all men to be saved, oh Lord God. And so, Lord God, as your people, Lord God, given, Lord God, authority, Lord God, to pray, Lord God, Lord, we pray right now that your word will not return void, Lord God. Lord, that the importance, oh Lord God, of this scripture, Lord God, Father, Lord God, is underlined, oh Lord God, is highlighted into our hearts, oh Lord God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I lose, Lord God, revelation and understanding, oh Lord God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord God, that you will move hearts, oh Lord God, that you bring understanding, Lord God. And Lord, for, for us here, Lord God, I pray you continue to nudge us, Lord God, with your gentle spirit, Lord God. Speak to us, Lord God, this morning, Lord God. Lord, I feel that burden, Lord God, and I pray, Lord God, Lord, your will be done, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God.
Jesus' name. Salvation is only the start. I know I talked about salvation, but it's only the beginning. And here's where I address the rest of you. The true access to power comes next. That relationship with Jesus is that key to power. You see, the sons of Sceva had a reputation. They were not nobodies. They were people who were brought up in the Jewish laws and customs. How I know? Their father was the Jewish high priest. And if I know anything about you know, being a parent, is that you want to transmit your beliefs and your customs and what you know to your children. And so, when the seven sons of Sceva grew up, they knew and they had a reputation to keep because of their father. Because their father was the Jewish high priest. But you see, there's one thing about having reputation. There's another thing about having a relationship. They did not have a relationship with Jesus. And reputation is useless when it comes to the things of the Spirit. It doesn't matter your family background. It doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter how many good deeds you've done throughout your life. It doesn't matter what you've achieved at the end of the day. It doesn't matter what, what things you've done. It doesn't matter what ranking you've achieved in life because it's all about that relationship with God. And as, as religious as the sons of Sceva were, they didn't have that. They didn't know Jesus. They didn't know about God. They were not disciples and didn't possess the power of the Holy Spirit in them. So there was nothing in their words that would cause a demon to listen to them because they didn't have the critical ingredient, which was their relationship. You see, they tried to use the name without understanding the identity of Jesus, without having a relationship or knowing Him. They wanted the power of the name of Jesus, the weight and the substance of the name without the relationship or the responsibility of that relationship. Let me give you an example. Isaac's teachers in his preschool, they know me as Isaac's daddy. Right? If you have a child in school and if you meet a teacher, you are known as your child's parent. You don't have an identity outside of that. The teachers don't know me from the next parent. They only know me because of Isaac. Now, they have an idea of who I am, you know, this guy, you know, coming to pick Isaac every now and then, you know, and they can recognize me. Okay, it's not hard to recognize me. Okay? But they don't have a relationship with me. They don't know me. They don't know my likes. They don't know my dislikes. They don't know my preference. They don't know what I stand for. Now, on the other hand, Isaac, he knows me. He knows me because he has a relationship with me. He knows me because he's my son. He knows me because he spends time with me. We laugh together, just like his name says. We play together. We spend every day together. And he's a low. He's not just any Isaac. Isaac Lowe, L-O-H. He bears my name and he's my son. And as a law, Isaac has access to me anytime. As a law, he knows that daddy will take care of him. That daddy will cover him. 
when he's sick, daddy will care for him. Daddy will make sure that he's well taken care of. Whatever he needs, up to half my kingdom, I will provide for him. And one day when Isaac is all grown up and when he's mature, I can legally authorize Isaac to do things on my behalf because he's a low. Because he trusts me, he trusts daddy. And daddy trusts him. You see, but being a low is not about the benefits. Being a low is not only about access to all the privileges that I can give whatever little or whatever lot it can be. It isn't just about that. Little Isaac, he also needs to abide by the responsibilities of being alone. When he wants to bear that name, he wants access, he also needs to bear the responsibility of the relationship. And what does this mean to Isaac? It means that he needs to obey the rules of the family, the low family. It means that he has to follow me wherever I go. If I go for a prayer meeting, you see me dragging him along. When I go left, is the guy got to come left with me? If he runs far off, I'm going to get him. I'm going to make sure Isaac comes along with me. If I go right, Isaac, come here. I think you know where I'm going with this. Isaac needs to follow daddy wherever daddy goes. No need that. Isaac got to love the other low family members. He got to love Cheche, got to love mommy, which he does. And these are the things that Isaac needs to do so that he bears the responsibility of the weight of the name. So if we want the privilege and the power of the name of Jesus. Likewise, there's also the responsibility of the name. It's also the relationship with the person behind the name. And this means, Tabernacle of Joy, learning what it means to bear the weighty name of Jesus. It means obeying His commandments when He says to do things don't just say yes or no. I say how much? How high can I go? When he says jump. It means when Jesus leads, I'm going to follow him. And of course, there'll be times in life where we'll go off track, we'll run off course. But it means that we need to know where our daddy is, our heavenly daddy is, so that we can go back to him. He says, God, I messed up. Can you show me your love once again? And I tell you this morning that God is extending that hand of love to someone here, to all of us here this morning. And if you wonder and pause and just respond to the embrace of God who loves you and recognize that this morning you are here by no coincidence, but because God is reaching out to you. He's telling you to obey, to learn of Him. He's telling you to follow wherever He leads you. And sometimes in our 
when I lead Isaac, he might not like it. For example, I love to go for nature walks, but that will tire my boy out. And sometimes when he walks, there'll be little stones in his slippers that causes him pain. But no choice, he has to follow daddy. Sometimes in life, when we follow Jesus, there'll be things that cause us pain and hurt. But just like how I'll treat Isaiah, I say, come, let daddy carry you. There are times where we need to surrender as well. Let God carry us. So can I invite all of you to just stand in the presence of God in this place? And I know that He's speaking, He's nudging, He's extending His hand and He's inviting. And would you just respond to that, the Father's love this morning? Would you respond to Him and recognize that when you respond, you respond as a child of God. You respond as someone that He loves with an everlasting love. You see, relationships don't grow automatically. It takes up a lot of work. But like every child, if a loving parent would know, Daddy was always there. A lot of the hard work, Daddy has already done it. A lot of the hard work in life, God, Jesus has already done it. He has took our sins upon the cross. He has died for our, us. It took a punishment that we, otherwise we would have upon Himself. And He says that now I've given you the eternal life. Today, recognize that God has already done all the hard work. And all we need is that respond like a child. And for some of us, that means being intentional. Some of us, it means being persistent and consistent. Because we've already obeyed the instructions for salvation, then now is about time to build upon that momentum. Now is the time to build upon that relationship with God because that is all that matters at the end of the day whatever authority, whatever power, it is upon the foundations of a relationship with Jesus. And so if we want access, we want authority, this is where it starts. So would you just lift your hands in that act of surrender and just respond in your own way in the name of Jesus. In your own way, why don't you just pray in your own way Father, Lord God, Lord, I know you're not done in this place, Lord God. And Lord, don't let us leave this room without getting the heartbeat of what you want to say. Don't let us leave this place, oh Lord God, without hearing your voice, oh Lord God. And don't let us leave this place without recognizing that you are the one that's speaking, not me. Lord, we want to carry on this momentum and the gains of whatever that was done in the past where we dedicated and consecrated. And maybe today is going back to the basics of recognizing your love, recognizing that we need that relationship with you. It doesn't end with the fast. It is just the beginning. 
Lord, maybe today, this morning, you're telling us it's not time to ease up or not time to slack off, Lord. But you're telling us it's time to rise up. It's, rise, it's time to rise up to take authority. But before we can take authority, it goes back to relationship. Not my reputation, Lord God, but because of who you are, because of what you've done, Lord God. And today, Lord, I surrender. I surrender at all to you, Lord God. Lord, I want to lay aside, Lord God, every issues that I come here this morning, every problem, Lord God, is small because of you who is big in my life, oh Lord God. So today, Lord, direct us, order our footsteps, oh Lord God. We want more, Lord God, but work in us. We want you, O oh Lord God, so we decrease. We want your increase, O oh Lord God, in our lives, so we decrease, Lord God. We need that spirit, O oh Lord God, and we want to be whole, Lord God. Lord, we want more and more of you, O oh Lord God. There is an atmosphere of prayer here and I want to release if you feel a leading by the Holy Spirit to pray for someone I want to be, give you the chance right now to be sensitive to the prayer to the leading of the Holy Spirit to pray for each other Come on, Tabernacle of Joy. If you have that relationship with God, you know that He can move you and nudge you to exercise your spiritual authority and exercise the power, access the power in the name of Jesus. And so today is not just a hearing a message, but it's time to exercise that faith in prayer. It's time to stand in the gap for your family, for your loved ones, for your family and for your friends. Come on, Tabernacle of Joy. Am I speaking to the disciples, the sons and the daughters of Jesus who can exercise their authority in the name of Jesus to intervene, to stand in the gap in the name of Jesus. We're not just going to leave here just listening, but we're going to leave here applying, oh Lord God, your word. We do not want to deceive ourselves, oh Lord God, just by listening and then pat ourselves on the back and say, this is a good message. But Lord, let your will be done in our lives. Let your will be done in our prayers. Let your will be done, oh Lord God. We pray kingdom powers we, because we have kingdom authority. We stand in authority. We stand here not because by our own authority. No, we stand here because your all authority, Lord God, has been given, O oh Lord God, by you, Jesus, O oh Lord God. So we pray, O oh Lord God. And Lord, with our hands lifted up, with our hands lifted up, Lord God, help us, O oh Lord God, to go back and back and back and back to the basics in relationship with You until You are formed in us, until Christ is formed in us, O oh Lord God. I want to go back to the relationship that You have set me up for, Lord God. I want to recognize, O oh Lord God, that at the end of the day, O oh Lord God, it's about You drawing me back to You, Lord God, back to Your foe, oh Lord God, until You are formed in me, until Christ is formed in me. And back again in the name of Jesus. 
And I do not want to leave here, Lord God, without more of you, Lord God. I do not want to leave here, Lord God, without recognizing you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, until you are forming me. Lord, we pray, Lord God. We pray because we know that you are God who hears us, Lord God. We pray because we know that you hear our prayer, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, because we want to align ourselves with you, O Lord God, and take, O Lord God, the authority that you have given us, O Lord God, to pray, Lord God, your will be done, Lord God, on earth as it is in heaven, O Lord God. We pray, O Lord God, because you have called us to pray, O Lord God. We pray, O Lord God, because we can. Lord God and we will and we must oh Lord God we pray because there's power in the name of Jesus we pray oh Lord God because there's authority Lord God in the name of Jesus We're still praying, we're still believing, oh Lord. We're still believing, oh Lord God. This might be, we might have come to the end, oh Lord God, of the 40-day fast, but we have not come to the end of what you are doing in us and through us, oh Lord God. We might have finished a 40-day fast, but you are not finished with us, Lord God. You are not finished with me, oh Lord God. You are not done with us, oh Lord God. There's still some things you want to do in our hearts, oh Lord God. There are still things, Lord God, that you want to accomplish in our lives, oh Lord God. There are still things, oh Lord God, that you are not done with, oh Lord God. And so we recognize that, Lord God. We recognize you're not done, Lord God. Lord God, we recognize, oh Lord God, that you are still in our life, oh Lord God. We recognize, oh Lord God. We recognize, oh Lord God. You are not done with me, O oh Lord God. You are not done, Lord God. I'm still a work in your hands, O oh Lord God. I'm still a work in progress, O oh Lord God. You are still doing things in my life, Lord God. Just round the corner, O oh Lord God. Lord, if I tarry, O oh Lord God, if I wait upon you, Lord God, Lord, I know, Lord God, I'm going to see, Lord God, the revival, Lord God. I'm going to see, O oh Lord God, the prayers answered, O oh Lord God. I know I'm going to see you work, O oh Lord God. In thy life, O oh Lord God. I know that this is a declaration of faith in the name of Jesus. That Lord, you are not done, Lord. This is a declaration, O oh Lord God, that you are going to do a great work, Lord God. You have promised in your word and it is written, O oh Lord God. So we stand upon the promises of your word. We stand upon, Lord God, the foundations of your word, Lord God. In the name of Jesus. 
Have your way, Lord. Do your will. Have your way, Lord. Not my will be done, but thine, Lord God. In heaven, O Lord God. It is on earth, Lord. Jesus' name, O Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord God. Come on, we are just still praying. We are still praying. We are still praying. We are still believing. We are still believing in you, Jesus. We are still praying, Lord. There's power when we pray in the name of Jesus. There's power when we rely on the name of Jesus. Your name, Lord God, has brings victory, Lord God. Your name is higher. Your name is greater, Lord God. Your name brings freedom. It brings healing, Lord God. And that's why it is a name above every name. Is the name that every tongue will confess. Is the name that every knee will bow, Lord. Because your name have the power, Lord. Not any other name, but your name, the name of Jesus. Your name has victory, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you give Him praise if you're done in your own way by the clapping of your hands, by the lifting of your hands. Why don't we praise Him? Thank you, Jesus. One last scripture I want to share. Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 15 says, Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, giving thanks to His name. Once again, can we do that? Can we give thanks to God? Can we give Him that sacrifice of praise by lifting the name of Jesus? Lord, we praise You, Lord God. We thank You, Lord God. Your name, the name above every name, Lord God. We praise You by the clapping of our hands, O Lord God. We praise You, Lord God, by the lifting of our voices, saying, Hallelujah, Lord God. Your name has the power, has the victory. Your name is higher, is greater, Lord God. And that's why we have hope in the name of Jesus, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, praise you. Thank you. You are dismissed in Jesus' name. <laughs>